Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of January 23rd through the 24th, 2021. My name's Paolo, and I'm your host. Apologies for the late episode, everyone. Uh, some things in my non-podcast life got a little bit crazy uh, the last couple of days, so I had to put the recording of this episode back a day or so. Uh, that said, there is a bit of news to hop into this week, so let's get into it. Uh, the big news, uh, aside from AMC, uh, is that, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, is of course that there's a wave of delays expected that we were expecting to come around finally hit late last week uh, for movie release dates. So let's just run through them, shall we? Okay, first up, we knew that Warner Brothers moved Godzilla vs. Kong up to schedule to March 26th here in the States for day and date release, both theatrically and on HBO Max. Uh, it seems the trailer, which released this past Sunday, was super well received with over a million likes. Uh, one user on the box office subreddit actually put together a list of trailers that hit over a million likes. And most of them made at least a billion dollars worldwide, the exceptions being Venom with $850 million and Detective Pikachu with $430 million. Of course, this was all pre-pandemic, uh, so you know this might not exactly apply here. Um, but I think the hype for a big film, a blockbuster film, you know, more perhaps more so uh, with people missing those films, um, as well as you know, uh, as well as you know, just. You know, it's Godzilla versus Kong. You need to see it on a big screen. I think there'll be a surprising turnout in theaters for this, and at the very least, there's going to be an uptick in HBO Max subscriptions. Uh, more on that later on in the story, in this episode. Um, you know, I know I personally may be actually getting HBO Max starting next month, uh, despite how much I've said I've, I've disliked what they're doing with the you know moving forward uh, with with kind of like in the relation to the industry. Um, you know, not only for Godzilla versus Kong, but you know, there are a bunch of other. Films I want to watch uh, for my Oscars Death Race podcast. Um, in fact, there's actually uh, one podcast uh, called Podcast Assemble, Podcasters Assemble, um, which is a group watch podcast among podcasters. Um, you know, along a certain theme, they're going to be doing a rewatch of a bunch of Godzilla and Kong films, which you can find on HBO Max. Um, so yeah, I, I might get into for that. And, and, and in any case, back to the box office news, it looks like uh, the international release for Godzilla vs. Kong uh, will be, as with Wonder Woman 1984, one week prior to this US release, uh, probably to try to get ahead of you know whatever privacy there may be. Um, France ha has reported a March 17th release date, so I imagine that'll be the release date uh, for other locations around the country or around the world. Uh, in addition, here in the States, I think due to the positive response, they actually pushed back the release date from March 26th to March 31st. Uh, so it'll coincide more, uh, not with the prior weekend, but it'll start on a Wednesday and go through the long, uh, you know, Easter holiday weekend. Um, another HBO simultaneous release in theaters and on, on streaming will be James Wan's Malignant, uh, now dated for September 10th of this year. Um, another big film, right? Uh, no Time to Die, the latest Bond film from MGM here in the States, is officially off of its April 2nd release date. Uh, you know, I think that's partly maybe why Godzilla vs. Kong decided to push uh, forward a little bit. Um, but, you know, it moved off of April 2nd to October 8th release date. Um, that is currently one week uh, after the currently, the currently scheduled Dune release from HBO Max and one week before Halloween Kills. Uh, so, yeah, that's to set a whole tidal wave of domino effect of other films moving around. Uh, one interesting side effect of this before we get to the other films, um, this is a nearly two-year delay, um, and since it was meant to come in November 2019, a big part of Bond's 
funding and financing comes from various product placement deals they have with luxury bands, just the car, the suit, the gun, uh, the alcohol, the watch, um, you know, and so on and so forth. And you know, it sound it 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 since it's been two years delayed, you know, those pro- those brands usually want to show the latest and greatest. It seems that because it's been two years delayed, they're going to have to re- do reshoots, um, you know, before then to basically update whatever products Bond is using. Uh, you know, to to basically match what what they want to be marketing. Um, if you want to hear more about all this, you know, check out an episode I did a while back. I think it's my ninth episode ever. Um, you know, about product placement in movies in general and how they contribute to profitability. Uh, anyway, back to MGM. Uh, so you know, since they moved Bond uh, to October eighth, they moved their other film they're distributing, the Adams Family sequel, off of October eighth up to October first um, later this year. Um, and then you know. Uh, moving to other studios, we of course last week noted that Sony's Morbius, the Spider-Man uh, vampire film starring Jared Leto, um, moved from March to October 8th. Uh, now, not wanting to compete with Bond, they are pushing that film back even further to January 21st, 2022. So, you know, pretty much like a year from now. Um, some other Sony date changes in addition to Morbius, uh, Camila Cabello's Cinderella is moving uh, to July 16th off of a February 5th release date, uh, which would have been in about two weeks or so. Um, they want, seem to want to keep that theatrical instead of sending it to streaming. Um, this puts it against LeBron James' Space Jam 2 uh, from Warner Brothers, which is going to be on HBO Max and in theaters. Uh, moving Camille Cabello to July 16th moves the Tom Holland adaptation of the Uncharted video games off of July 16th to February 1st, 2022. Uh, you know, they also are moving uh, from uh, Sony is also moving uh, Peter Rabbit 2 um, off of the April 2nd release date, um, I guess following in Bond's wake, moving to June 11th. Uh, this pushes the Ghostbusters Afterlife film, uh, which was on June 11th uh, to November 11th of this year. Now, Sony also, you know, decided to sell the animated film by Lord and Miller, uh, The Mitchells vs. Machines, previously known as Connected, uh, to Netflix to add to the 71 new films coming this year. Uh, no release date has been confirmed yet for that one. Okay, moving to other studios, Universal's front, uh, since they have no time to die internationally, uh, with Bond moving off of the Easter weekend, they are going to be moving Bob Odenkirk's film Nobody uh, back to April 2nd from a February 26th release date. Uh, However, other than that, no other real updates, um, including on whether or not Fast and the Furious 9 will be moving off of May 28th. Uh, on, from Universal, their indie imprint, uh, Focus Features, uh, is moving Edgar Wright's next film, Last Night in Soho, off of April twenty third to up to uh, October twenty or back to November to October twenty second, uh, putting it against uh, Paramount Snake Eyes, um, which I think is also partly because I think Edgar Wright's probably going to be an awards consideration. Um, let's see, Searchlight, uh, the indie imprint from Disney and Twentieth Century Fox, has some new dates as well. Uh, some of them come from Sundance. Uh, in the there's also Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley, uh, which is coming December 3rd. Uh, and from last year, uh, horror film Antlers is debuting on October 29th, just in time for Halloween. Uh, Nomadland is still slated for the February 19th or 19th, yeah, 19th release uh, on both Hulu and in theaters. Um, though, again, uh, also Nomadland is having the IMAX theatrical release uh, this coming week. 
meanwhile, in the mainline mainline 20th century studio, there are some new dates as well. Nothing direct to streaming yet, um, but the Kingsman prequel is now moving to August 20th off of the March 12th release date. Uh, the animated Bob's Burger film is now undated from April 9th, and the animated film Ron's Gone Wrong uh, follows late last night in Soho, moving from April 23rd to October 22nd. Uh, probably you know, different audiences there. Now, interestingly, there are no movies from the MCU or Disney animated front that have moved. Uh, Raya and the Last Dragon is still set to premiere on Disney Plus Premiere Access at thirty dollars. Uh, you know, for event for you know Premiere Access, uh, just the same price as Mulan's Premiere Access. Um, and then also in theaters uh, on March fifth, it's just coming in theaters on March fifth. Um, the trailer just dropped this past Sunday. Looks pretty decent. Um, in addition, there is Black Widow still coming on May seventh. Um, and all of the other films from twentieth century, you know, Free Guy. Cruella, um, Luca, Sanchi, Jungle Cruise, and all and all of them are still set currently for their summer release dates this year. Uh, rounding it out with the major studios, Paramount's A Quiet Place, uh, which again had its world premiere bef- literally the week before uh, COVID shut everything down will be having its opening rele- uh, wide release uh, in September 17th this year after being scheduled for April 23rd. Um, so, you know, it's pretty interesting that of all of their films, Paramount's been the least open to selling this one to a streaming service uh, as well as uh, Top Gun, uh, Maverick. Um, that one's not being sold yet either. Um, also, you know, this isn't quite a film, but the Cannes Film Festival in general has been moved from May uh, to a July 6th to 17th window. So, you know, obviously that's the latest wave of delays as vaccines slowly roll out across the country. Um, award films aside, I think the next big blockbusters, um, if you don't count Tom and Jerry coming at the end of February, is definitely Ryan the Last Dragon at the start of March, uh, which is up against Coming to America, uh, which is, I believe, a, a Amazon uh, release. Um, and then after that, we'll be Godzilla vs. Kong at the end of March, uh, followed by Mortal Kombat from Warner Brothers in April. Um, so, you know, really, I think the next... Big one to really pay attention to, you know, since Warner is, isn't going to be moving their stuff off because they have the, the safety net of HBO Max, um, is definitely going to be whether or not Wonder Woman ends up moving uh, off of their May 7th date. Um, or, you know, another one would be Fast and Furious 9 from Universal since they were very conservative about moving that a full year when the shutdowns first started. So we'll see, uh, you know, if, any, if either of those two things, I think that's the next wave of delays that we'll expect to see. Uh, the other big news, as I record this right now, is currently happening. Uh, AMC, you know, being the latest targets of Wall Street bets. I'm sure you've probably uh, heard about that. Obviously, GameStop has been taking a lot more, um, you know, focus on that uh, in recent days. But AMC also has had some, uh, some, some. Uh, benefit from the Wall Street bets rocket ship to the moon. Um, I won't cover it in full detail this recording. I'll cover the detail more fully next week when we kind of see what the what the fallout has been. Um, but as of this recording, the stock has risen 200% uh, today alone, Wednesday, uh, wiping, wiping out all of the stock losses from last year's post-pandemic. You know, we'll see if that holds. I, I don't think so, but, you know, um, at least there is actual real new good news for AMC. Um, they were actually able to secure $917 million in financing to operate through the rest of this year. Uh, remember, they were only looking for about 600 to $750 million or so last week uh, to make it through, you know, through till the summer, uh, which they're hoping the vaccine will be able to, you know, get them back into business. So um, looks like they're good to go for the rest of the year. Um, now, uh, moving away from, you know, exhibition news, uh, there's a little bit of streaming news to cover as well. 
just out this morning, yay again for a delayed recording, uh, HBO Max announced their newest numbers of subscribers in the AT&T earnings call this morning. Um, they are at 37.7 million total subscribers, of which 17.2 million are activated users, aka users who have ha- who have HBO via cable or they're already paying for HBO, um, but they still need to activate, but they've activated to HBO Max uh, for free because um, they're paying it to some other service. This 17.2 million is up from 12.8 million, or uh, from 12.6 in December and 8.6 million at the beginning of October. So about a five million increase in about a month or so. Um, you know, I know that's kind of confusing, and I'm still not 100 percent sure if that 20.5 million subscriber difference between 37.7 million subs and 17.2 activated users are people who are paying for HBO Max um, without an activation via free service, or if they're um, people who have ability to turn it on but they just haven't yet. Can't really say because they're not very clear about that. Um, but what, and because one paints a good picture and one paints a bad picture, I'm not gonna comment either way. But I will say the fact that they do have more people actually subscribing to the user base from 12.6 to 17.2 is pretty encouraging for them uh, with their move to move everything to uh, theatrical and on HBO Max simultaneously. Um, their goal is 50 million total subscribers, uh, which they should hit uh, by this year based on that rate. But we'll see um, how that looks with terms of activated users, which is the number I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Um, In addition, they announced rollouts uh, for international markets coming later this year. Uh, Speaking of internationally, uh, Comcast-backed Sky Network has been under an HBO distribution deal since 2019 uh, to release HBO content internationally. But, you know, obviously with HBO Max moving internationally, um, Sky has actually started uh, release their slate of new content for this coming year. It's about 125 shows and and movies, um, including 30 original films from them, as well as 30 new documentaries. So, um, you know, this is just making moves all around. in addition, you know, continued fallout from the HBO Max decision. It looks like Chris Nolan, according to the Wall Street Journal, is has is as um is basically actually going to be leaving Warner Brothers after their stunt. Um, you know, Tenet just closed its US run with fifty eight million, which all things considered with a pandemic, um and the international uh, revenue only ended up being thirty two million sort of Dunkirk's worldwide numbers, though so, Tenant had a higher budget. So all things considered, you know, the pandemic, not bad. We'll see where he ends up from this. A uh, couple speculations from various trades, but, you know, we'll report if there's a, a, a specific deal signed there. Um, as noted before, CBS All Access is actually going to be rebranded to Paramount+. Plus. We now have a release date for this uh, in both the U.S. and Latin America, uh, March 4th. Uh, generally, you know, this one seems more focused on uh, CBS's cable television properties of Nick, MTV, BET, and C- Comedy Central, as well as various CBS network shows. So, you know, presumably sports deals as well, not not so much the, uh, the movie stuff, um, you know, uh, uh, as we noted before, you know there was a report that uh, Netflix and Apple were trying to buy Top Gun uh, Maverick from Paramount, um, but they haven't sold because, quote, they believe in the strength of the film's perceived box office prospects. So I don't think that uh, you know uh, Top Gun is going to be premiering on Paramount Plus. 
Now, with Paramount Plus, uh, you know, and CBS having the sports offering, it looks like NBC Universal is actually going to be closing down their sports, the traditional sports network, um, you know, NHL, which is uh, which affects NHL, the Premier League, and NASCAR racing. Uh, on the other hand, NBC also signed a deal uh, with the WWE to become their exclusive U.S. streaming distributor. So we'll see if this is a move by NBC Sports Network to move uh, the streaming uh, opportunities to their online. Uh, service um we'll see if that pans out um anyway uh going back to the news that you know apple was was going to try to buy top gun maverick and failed going back to them um we said that apple had been having trouble keeping users um so that they were extending the free trial period a few more months last week um well a report came out uh saying that 62 percent of their users are on free offers uh, which is a pretty scary situation for them you know also randomly i saw they're making a snoopy tv so which i'm all about um which is starting february 5th but yeah i mean they're just basically aching for content uh, to keep users. Now, on the flip side, Verizon reported that two-thirds of its free Disney Plus promotion uh, subscribers ended up actually sticking with the service after that year-long promotion ended, which is good news for the mouse. Uh, some other Disney Plus announcements, their entire back catalog of all five seasons of The Muppet Show is coming to Disney Plus on February 19th. Um, I guess it's time to play the music and I guess it's time to light the lights. Um, Nielsen also announced that over the weekend of uh, Christmas, the week of Christmas, Seoul was the most watched property um, with 1.669 billion minutes, uh, beating out The Office with 1.435 billion minutes, um, which was on Netflix before it moved over uh, to Peacock. Now that's super impressive for a film compared to a full-length tv series that's been around for a while um granted it is new new hotness versus the you know the old stuff um note that nielsen does not include hbo max so we don't know how uh wonder woman 1984 did but you know the, the other thing impressive with this for soul is that they released on christmas day which only gave them 25th 26th and 27th for this time period which covered the 21st through the 27th so they still outperformed you know a lot of uh a lot of um, properties online. Um, this was even impressive enough to get positive praise from the CEO of Netflix, Reed Hastings. Uh, speaking of Netflix, they were also announced that they've passed 200 million subscribers globally in 2020, um, beating the Q4 expectation by 2.5 million with 8.5 to million total new subscribers. Uh, there was also a report from J.D. Powers that the average American has four subscription services, up from three at the start of the pandemic, uh, costing them about 24% more per month, with a total of $47 per month in subscription, uh, subscription fees. And finally, you know, Comscore uh, introduced a new measurement system called Movies Everywhere that's supposed to measure a movie's performance over the number of release uh, models from theatrical to on-demand, OTT, streaming, and whatnot via a census system, you know, as opposed to actually tracking how much actually gets reported. It's kind of, you know, a census is you take a, pan, a, a, pop, a survey of a population and see what they've been watching. Uh, this is opposed to uh, self-reported numbers that we're used to here in the box office. We'll see if this becomes the industry standard, uh, especially considering whether or not the box office recovers, um, though I'm sure streaming will be around for a while. So we'll see how important this ends up being. All right, uh, with all of the uh, industry news out of the way, let's just check in with the box office numbers from last weekend. Uh, in first place, we have Liam Neeson again with The Marksman in its second weekend. Two million in 2018 theaters, 35% uh, drop per theater average of $1,000. Lifetime total of $6 million. In second place, Crude's New Aids, ninth weekend, $1.8 million in 1876 theaters, 
10% drop, which is really good, uh, per theater average of 957 uh, dollars um, and lifetime total of 41.8 million domestically, 30, 139 million worldwide. In third place, we have Wonder Woman 1984, um, which is you know down from second place from last week. Um, the crew overtook it. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 is uh, in its fifth weekend, 1.6 million dollars uh, in 2,201 theaters, a 38% drop week over week per theater average of 727 dollars. It is currently sitting at 37.7 million dollars domestically. Uh, so we'll see where this ends up. It may be able to crawl over 40 million. I don't know if 45 or even 50. Are, are in um, sight for this one. Uh, this is $148 million worldwide. Uh, in fourth place, we have Monster Hunter uh, in its sixth weekend, $825,000 in 1661 theaters, 11% drop per through the average of $497, $10.2 million domestically, and $21.5 million internationally. Again, against this you know um, six-digit uh, budget. So... Uh, yeah, not great for them. Um, News of the World is rounds out the top five in its fifth weekend with $785 million, 21% drop in 1875 theaters, per theater average of $419, $9.6 million, $9.6 million lifetime, all of that domestically. Now, on the VOD charts, uh, News of the World topped those charts alongside Tenet, um, uh, while on Netflix, the the White Tiger, directed by Ramin Bharani, featuring Priya, uh, Priyanka Chopra, um, uh, ad- adapting a New York Times bestseller, uh, was number two on their charts. Um, I'm also I'm hearing potential Oscar buzz about this one based off of good word of mouth, so we'll see how it does. Um, this also applies to focus features, Promising Young Woman, which appeared just outside the top five uh, for this week. Um, in total, the box office this weekend fell to $8.8 million compared to last week, year's $120 million, which was led by Bad Boys for Life at $34 million. This upcoming weekend, we have Nomadland in IMAX theaters exclusively, um, and then Hulu coming you know later in February from Searchlight. Um, we have The Little Things from Warner Brothers in theaters as well as on HBO Max um, and internationally as well. Um, and then a couple of Netflix films coming out. We have Malcolm and Marie starring Zendaya and John David Washington, as well as Finding Ohana. Uh, currently, theaters sit at 56.5% open, with Illinois, Chicago um, opening up in the coming weekend at a 50% capacity. Uh, checking internationally, in China, it was a relatively slow week, uh, with a total weekend uh, take of $37.8 million U.S. dollars. Um, the newcomer film at the top of the charts was Big Red Envelope, starring Korean star Clara, uh, topping the charts with $7.9 million U.S. dollars. However, it had pretty bad word of mouth, only about a 4.7 out of 10 on Duban, seemed to be mostly uh, for the um, non-urban demographic, mostly in, 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 in smaller provinces where it made most of its money, so I don't expect this one to have long legs. Uh, in second place, we have Little Red Flower making seven million U.S. dollars, um, sitting at 197 million U.S. dollars to date. Uh, in third place, Sockwave Two, 6.3 million this weekend, a total of 175 million. Uh, in fourth place, Wish Dragon making 3.4 million, sitting at 13 million to date. Remember, this is the one coming uh, to Sony uh, via Sony to uh, Netflix later this year. And then in fifth place, we have Warm Hug making three million U.S. dollars, sitting at 122 million. 
just outside the top five in China, we have Pixar uh, Soul, which sits at 48 million in China. So it should just about cross into 50 million, I believe. Um, might not get into the uh, into 54 million. We'll see if it's a, if it's able to inch over that finish line there. Um, unfortunately, I think piracy did have an effect here for this one. Um, it also debuted in Korea and Russia this year this weekend at number one in both of those markets and sits at 71.2 million dollars internationally to date. Um, of course, we do have to look forward to New Year New Year in uh, China coming on February 12th. Um, so look forward to that. You know, theaters are starting to get uh, make preparations for you know how to keep theaters clean. Um, you know, during during this busy time, which is traditionally the uh, highest box office weekend of the year um, in China. Uh, so you know, pre-sales have already started. The films that I've seen in the lineup so far are Detective Chinatown 3, which is a sequel to the fifth highest grossing film of all time in China, Nezar Reborn, uh, the second sequel to the second highest grossing film of all time in China, and, you know, sequel to one of the top 10 films from last year. And other films, Hi Mom, Assassin in Red, Ying Yang Master, Endgame, which is not the Avengers film, uh, and then Booney Bears, The Wildlife. So we'll see how those perform in a couple of weeks. Uh, in the rest of Asia from India, Tamil film Master looks to have earned $30 million worldwide to date, uh, $24 million of that in India. Again, uh, impressive with Europe closed. Uh, that film also got picked up by Amazon Prime for a global release this coming weekend, um, so look forward to that. Uh, in Japan, Demon Slayer hit $350 million locally. Um, while in Gintama, uh, the final anime movie hits the 1 billion yen mark um, in the to domestic box office, though it still hasn't quite beaten the... Um, it turns out that the, the reporting we had a little bit ago of it beating Demon Slayer was actually the number of total admissions, um, but uh, it actually hasn't beaten it in terms of total take-home. Uh, in any case, I think that's a wrap for this episode. Obviously, next week we'll be looking at the fallout from the AMC Wall Street bet stuff going on, as well as any further updates on more delays, as well as you know how the releases this coming weekend uh, both uh, end up doing. Um, shoot me emails for what else I should be covering via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Leave a review on your podcast service of choice or on Podchaser. That really helps us out, even just sharing with a friend. Um, uh, numbers used in the show come from thenumbers.com. Intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at thecompact.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast. And remember, our watch goes on. Yeah.